On this week's episode, we have reviews of the Snyder Cut and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. PlayStation looks to shake up the esports industry. And what does Square Enix have planned for us next? All this and more as we head to PodVCon Spring Break, as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, it is sincerely appreciated. And also make sure you check us out not only all over our social media, Pop Culture Cosmos, or you can subscribe to Pop Culture Cosmos anywhere you get your podcasts or around the world on over 30 radio stations worldwide. You can also check out our Twitch action that's going on right now on our Twitch channel almost every day of the week, six days a week, we've got awesome tabletop RPG action. In fact, there's a great Dungeons and Dragons game going on there right now. So when you get a chance and you love your tabletop RPG action out there, go ahead and check us out at Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitch. We want to go ahead and give a big thank you to everyone listening and watching us at Pod VCon. Spring Break. Spring Break is here! Woohoo! Spring Break 2021. We want to thank PodVCon so much. We truly appreciate being part of it. Thank you again. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He's our man from Friday, the PCC Multiverse. You got to catch him when he does the PCC Multiverse every single Friday. He moved out from Friday and he's here for our Monday show. It is Marcus De La Garza. And Marcus, happy birthday, my friend. Belated. I know you had an awesome week off. But I'm glad to have you part of the show today. Yeah, man, it was a it was a great week off. I want to say thank you to everybody that gave me the happy birthday wishes, and I'm just excited to be a part of this special episode, man. It's spring break. I've got a little bit of an adult beverage here, you know, kicking off the the day with you guys. And cheers, man! Cheers, cheers! It's gonna be a, a great episode. We've got a lot to talk about, man. Zack Snyder's Justice League is outstanding. We have a lot to dive into, and you know, we'll go from there, dude. But it did give me a lot of time to watch a lot of TV. So we've got a lot to discuss here, Gerald. It was a lot of fun to take a few days off this week, but I'm ready to be back at it. Sounds good, my friend. Glad to have you here as always. You are a great part of Pop Culture Cosmos. Again, thank you so much for listening and watching everybody at Pod VCon Spring Break 2021. Glad to have you here. Plus also as well, all the podcast outlets and of course, everybody worldwide that listens to us on radio. Cannot thank you enough for doing so. We've got a great show lined up for you today spoilerific though it's spoiler heavy so if you haven't watched Zack snyder's justice league or also as well falcon and winter soldier episode one so if you haven't checked it out yet please do so put us on pause hold on marcus let's let's pause okay we pause but then again if you have we're going to be talking and going into depth on Zack snyder's justice league and also as well falcon and winter soldier we're going to talk a little bit about playstation later on the show talking about the esports industry, a little bit of a shakeup there with PlayStation buying Evo, seeing how that fits along as far as the fighting game scene. Also as well, we're going to be talking about Square Enix. They had their own little Square Enix Presents because they think they're so special. They think they're all good. They think they'd be like all those big publishers that are out there. So we'll talk about Square Enix coming up on the back half of the show as well. And then... Just to let everybody know, for everybody listening on our podcast outlets and, of course, on radio stations worldwide, we've got Ellen Glassford, my daughter, also as well, Noe and Fine, and TJ Johnson. They're all here in quick bites with their thoughts on Falcon Winter Soldier and Justice League as well. But, my friend, it is going to be starting off with the long-awaited Zack Snyder's Justice League that hit HBO Max on Thursday I got a chance to see all four hours and two minutes of it. Three hours. Well, okay. All right. Three hours for the movie and one hour for the slow-mo. 
So I wanted to go ahead and go into it right now because there's a ton of slow-mo. There's so much slow-mo, man. Uh, but I, uh, uh, we'll get there. I enjoyed it. Slow-motion. Oh, yeah. All throughout the movie. There's a lot of uh, Ezra Miller in slow-mo, and, you know, it's he might not be the best for slow-mo in close-ups. Well, That's just I, my take. You know, Ezra Miller, his flash, okay, okay I get it. He could be in slow-mo, but there was a ton of other stuff in slow-mo as well. I mean, Zack Snyder loves the slow-mo. He almost loves the slow-mo as much as J.J. Abrams loves lens flares. That's all I yes. yes. I was about yeah. to make that joke. I was about yeah. to make that joke. Oh, okay. man. Because I watched Star Trek again last night for the umpteen thousand times. So it's funny because it reminds you of how much J.J. just loves to throw that lens flare out at you. Random lens flare right in your face, man. Just right there. Right there, right there. But again, getting into the movie, my friend, it is Zack Snyder's vision of the Justice League. I'm going to say it's an improvement. For me, after four hours, I thought it's a little bloated. Absolutely loved Ray Fisher's performance and so happy to see him finally get the just do he deserves. He's such an integral part of the movie when you see Zack Snyder's vision and so yep. much was taken out with Joss Whedon's version. Again, I thought there was a little too much. I thought the epilogue were unnecessary. And I think there was other little things I could quibble on it, but I originally given the 2017 Joss Whedon's Justice League a 5 out of 10. I now bump it up as far as Zack Snyder's Justice League to a 7 out of 10. It's built off of chapters. So if you're intimidated by a four-hour, two-minute movie, you can do it in chunks, almost like you're watching a television series. And that's probably a better way to take it. But again, my friend, I've got some questions all over the place on yeah. it. I think that for me... The biggest disappointment, and that's the one thing that Josh and I have been talking about for years, was the end credit scene in the Joss Whedon version with Deathstroke coming up to Lex Luthor and talking about, hey, let's go ahead and start a, a hall of villains of our own. I thought that was awesome as far as a setup for something in the future. Unfortunately, that line is taken out and replaced with Bruce Wayne's Batman because it was supposed to be setting up a Batfleck movie coming up right. in the future. But unfortunately, that's not anymore going to be happening. But I'm so disappointed that that Zack Snyder's visioning of the Justice League 2 and 3 doesn't include really a Hall of Villains. Because I really would love that concept. But again, overall, I think it's an improvement. But I don't know if it's like the, the leaps and bounds. Because some people are just absolutely praising this. You absolutely loved your time with it. And I'm yeah. very happy for it. But I think it's good. I don't think it's great. You know, I think, Gerald, you and I have talked about it. I haven't been happy with what anything DC's done since Batman, Chris Nolan. I think Chris Nolan really captured how dark and gritty Batman can be, but also wholesome at, at times when he needs to be, and also just the symbol that you need them to be at, at times as well. I felt like Zack Snyder's Justice League was very much in that same vein from a production standpoint, from a, a directorial cinematic standpoint. This felt like an extension of that Batman vision from Christopher Nolan. It just felt like we took that into the deep, dark place where it needed to be. And so I really enjoyed my four hours spent with Justice League. I know that you felt much differently about it. I thought uh, it was okay. I thought it was okay overall. I'm glad it got expounded upon finding out characters I never even knew existed, like the, possibly the, the Atom, the character yep. who, who would become the Atom in, in DC. He was not even appearing in the Joss Whedon cut. Well, and simply what we did with Ray Fisher's storyline, if you will, I thought we did a wonderful job just expounding upon what his backstory is and what he kind of means to the group as a whole. For me, just giving us enough of a backstory to make us really compelled to his storyline did a lot. And I think it really brought a whole together some of those holes in the plot line that we had some issues with from the 2017 movie. But you might be right. We might have taken it a step too far in a few spots. You know, 30 seconds of content here and there across the movie and maybe got and gotten a movie that was three hours and 30 minutes instead and still had the same quality content received. Yeah, I think so. But at the same time, how often do you get a blank check and uh, just a, a chance to do whatever you want, right? I liked my time with yeah. Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think it is an improvement and I'm looking forward to seeing everything that's coming about with hopefully a future for it. I mean, that's the question I really have. And that's the question I think that leaves a lot of people is, do you think that there will be a future? I mean, they've already laid out two and three on storyboards on social media. So Zack Snyder doesn't think that HBO Max will have any future for Zack Snyder's Justice League vision. I ask you, 
do you think there will be a future for Zack Snyder's Justice League with a two, with a three, or even anything else relating to that going forward? You know, it's really hard to turn down intellectual property that's making money. And I think that's something that we learned in the pandemic, right? When you have something that's making a little bit of money, stick with it, uh, keep pushing it. And unfortunately, I don't think that's what's going to happen here. The Snyder cut of the Justice League was fantastic in my mind. I think they've had a lot of people that have watched it. I'm waiting to see what the numbers are, what the guesstimation of the numbers are, you know, in the next week or two to see how many people probably watch this opening weekend. Those numbers will reflect the possibility of future movies. But like you said, they've already done storyboards and put them out to the public. It's hard to walk back from that point. But at the same time, if you're ever going to do it with the director, why not Zack Snyder? Why not let him take what he's, he's already put out into the ethos and turn it into something entirely different or even darker than we ever could have thought it could have been? Well, again, it is Zack Snyder's Justice League. We're looking forward to hopefully seeing more. You know, I know in 2017, Marvel hadn't yet fully realized Thanos because Infinity War hadn't been out yet. Avengers Endgame hadn't been out yet. But, I mean, I see the mirror images of the Thanos storyline, even with the anti-life equation that's involved. But I want to hear your thoughts on Darkseid as a menacing character I mean, after watching what Marvel has done, does Darkseid still have that same kind of impact? To me, he did. And I think a lot of it was just kind of the expanded storyline we got here. And just looking at Darkseid as a villain, kind of a shielded villain, right? Like you've got Steppenwolf as the intermediary for almost 90% of the movie. Yeah, I don't know if he's as imposing as a figure as they wanted him to be. That final scene where the portal opens up and they end up sending Steppenwolf's head and his body back through the portal... At that point, it was just like, ooh, what's going to happen now? I'm really looking forward to the next movie. And I think that's where I really was captured in thinking that Darkseid could have been that person that we were looking for as a villain moving forward. Hopefully, Zack Snyder will get the opportunity to revisit the Justice League in that universe. But here again today, it is the Pop Culture Cosmos. We are live at Pod VCon 2021. We're so happy to be here. But who also is here with us, but my regular host of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is my good friend indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, including his great shows, Topicocalypse and the Super BS Gamescast. Plus, check out his book, which you can get today. Congratulations, you suck. That is now available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is my good friend as well. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? What's going on, guys? Happy to be here. A lot of stuff dropping this week. Absolutely, my friend. And before we head on out for the break and we go into Falcon and Winter Soldier right afterwards, your thoughts, my friend, on Zack Snyder's Justice League? So I think that it's a very beautiful film. I'm, I'm about like halfway through right now. I've been trying to like watch it in pieces because I don't have like four hours to sit there. I, I imagine not many people do. So I've been trying to watch it in pieces. The color palettes are absolutely beautiful in this film. Like, I love how each hero has their own palette. You know, you have like the Amazons have the dark golds and the oversaturated skies. Aquaman has like the grays and the blues. You have everything with Batman is, is really like dark and gray. And then you have the Flash, for example, has like dark blue tones. Like, it's all done very beautifully. And I do love all the extra backstory on a lot of these characters like cyborg it really like humanizes him like seeing that part where he's at the football field he just wants to have this relationship with his dad and he ends up being stuck with him right like he thinks his dad doesn't love him so he gets stuck with him because of that car accident and then his dad uses the mother box to turn him into cyborg it's there there's a lot of I guess a lot of people will call that extra exposition but I I think that that does a lot for the film so far, it doesn't feel bloated. It feels like it's, I don't know, it's just enough like backstory to really like give all these characters their proper time to shine. And I think that that's something the original movie was missing. So as soon as I get to the rest of it, I'd love to like expand more on it. But yeah, it's a very beautifully made film. I love the music again, love the color palettes. The cinematography is pretty great. And, you know, I'm excited to watch some more of it. Yeah, Josh used two words there that I, I really keyed in on here was bloated and necessary. It didn't feel bloated at all when I watched it. And it felt like the backstories we got were necessary, you know, and, and I think that's maybe where our, our views kind of differ there, Gerald. 
you know, I, I thought do... it was a little bloated. I'm just going to say I thought it was a little bloated. When it's four hours, I think there's a little bit extra. I think the epilogue for me is – and Josh hasn't seen that part yet. But right. I thought the epilogue for me with the alternate reality was something that I thought it could have been left out. I appreciated it, though. It, it felt like a nod to the fans at the end of the day. It felt like Snyder saying, hey, you guys have waited a long time for something that would have just thrown you a bone. And here, let me throw you a bone with a little bit of a Joker and Batman twist. So. It is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Some great thoughts there from both Marcus De La Garza and Josh Peterson. If you have thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League and you would love to share it with us, just go ahead and reach out to us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or popculturecosmos on any social media outlet. Thanks so much to Hermes House. Agreed, Gerald, but at the same time, cutting the slow-mo could have saved a few minutes at least, and that was the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, as I'm saying, yeah, it's you're just, not right. <laughs> three hours of movie, one hour of slow-mo. That's all I say with Zack Snyder. But it, it, again, to me, I have positive things to say about as far as overall for the movie, and I do, like you, Josh, say as well, as far as Cyborg's time, I really appreciate everything that they brought to the table with Cyborg. Can I ask you guys a quick question? Why yeah. do you think that was originally removed from the film? Like, I know Ray Fisher's story and all that, but, like, that really adds extra layers to that character. Like, his character was very surface. I'm going to just point this out. If, if you go to my friend TJ Johnson's social media and his thoughts, he pointed out that a lot of the individuals that were cut out or their stories really just truncated were of different ethnicities. That's something that he pointed out. I don't know if, if ultimately that's a decision. I mean, obviously, we heard the tremendous problems that Ray Fisher had with Joss Whedon on the set of Justice League. But I think that, you know, that's something you, that people have thrown out there. I've seen that on social media as well. But it's very disappointing. I just think that Cyborg was the key to Justice League and to in Zack Snyder's vision. And to see him cut out so tremendously was very disappointing. That would make sense. I mean, if you looked at Buffy the Vampire Slayer, was a pretty much all white cast. So I don't know. I don't Ooh. know. I honestly, guys, can't come up with a reason why you would cut some of the most important parts of the storyline that we missed for Ray Fisher. It's uh, unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly hadn't heard that theory yet about cutting minority cast members. Well, he laid it out as far as all the people that are missing or cut severely yeah. in there. Well, even, and, and there's a common theme. That's all that. Yeah. Because even if you look at the flashes, scene that was cut out with iris west like yeah. that that would make sense to me also and that's it's a it's a crying shame honestly. And, and who who is now the head of star labs or who is the assistant i think josh is, is still at that point in the thing as far as the assistant the gentleman who becomes the adam in the comics right. and he's of asian descent and he's not even in joss whedon's version of it so we'll just leave it at that but again As Go ahead. That's that's really disappointing. I really didn't know that that was going on behind the scenes. And now it's kind of just like, oh, man, I don't know if I can even really enjoy what I watch now. Like, uh, it, it feels like we kind of did some people dirty, but maybe we're fixing it. We're fixing it here with the Snyder Cut. And I might be OK with that. Then. So that's yeah. the hope, right? That with with everyone, all the praise the Snyder Cut's getting that they will put things back on track and not keep spinning off in all these other like multiverse properties to cut out cyborgs significant contribution to the justice league after what i watched which to me is the best part of the film thank you uh, is very disappointing it's very disappointing indeed that joss whedon would go again i like the cut scene of joss whedon as far as them stating oh actually i you know i can't even say that what josh hasn't seen it yet so again uh, i will just say <laughs> that uh, the time invested as far as in Zack snyder's justice league was very well worth it. I give it a good grade. Uh, you know, obviously Josh and Marcus really love what they're seeing. So Hermes, thank you for your thoughts and comments on this. And I tell you what, you know, if people want to go out of their way to see it, I'd say consume it like Josh. If you're getting intimidated at the four hour runtime, see it like Josh in the episode. It's actually segmented off into episodes. Yeah, like the the time marker on HBO max has like little dots to show yeah. like where the episodes in, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Is it too bloated? Is it better than Joss Whedon's version in 2017? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from ghost toasters and you're listening to pop culture cosmos podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts.
Well, my friends, there's another debut this weekend that a lot of people were looking forward to. I was really looking forward to it because it brings me back into the world and the universe of Captain America. And that is Falcon and the Winter Soldier, who I just have so long to see their characters developed. And you got the opportunity and got the chance to see it here. Episode one is in the books. I really liked it. It got me excited for the future for Falcon and Winter Soldier in the next five weeks. Josh, I'm going to start with you first, my friend. What were your thoughts on episode one of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? So I guess like my only disappointment with the show is the fact that they didn't actually show any scenes this time with Bucky and Sam together. Oh, Other I'm sure that's coming up. Oh, yeah. Uh, We've got a whole season for that to happen. called <laughs> Falcon and Winter Soldier. Okay, so my thoughts on the episode. I liked it. You got a lot of backstory on characters that did not really have a lot before. Like they were... What would you call them? Just like foil characters just meant to like outline the the traits of like Captain America or Iron Man or whatever you want to call them. And, you know, seeing Sam, seeing what he was up to after the Avengers, right? Like that was really cool. Kind of seeing him do his own solo gig. Moving on to Bucky. Like, so they made it seem like when Bucky was after Winter Soldier and he ends up in Wakanda, right? But they kind of make it seem like he's like, oh, okay, he's fine. But, like, you don't take into account, like, the baggage that he must be carrying around. Yeah. And and I think that showing him, like, with the therapist, like, that dynamic between them was, it was enlightening. But it's also, like, very cheeky. And, like, I enjoyed that. Like, that is how somebody like Bucky would probably operate in in a therapeutic session, right? Like, he just would be blocked off and he'd make jokes about stuff and then... You know, maybe eventually, like through all this sarcasm, he let out little tiny details. So, like, I enjoyed that. The interplay that him and the therapist had was outstanding. I thought, you know, yeah. this, they'd sit there and they'd go back and forth, and he'd make his little quips. It was amazing, just like you said. And I can't think of her name, the actress, the therapist, but we've seen her in Bosch, and she plays an outstanding captain or a lieutenant in Bosch. Kind of has a similar relationship with Bosch, the main character of that show where they kind of go back and forth with these little cheeky remarks here and there. And, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, she's great at her job. And I think that's something that we got out of the therapist and that little quip about, you know, I was a great soldier too. You know, I saw whatever, whatever, whatever. And so I don't know, man, I, I'm with you, man. I really enjoyed that little interplay that we had between the therapist and uh, Bucky Rogers there. Yeah. You know, seeing how he has his list, right. And he's going around and he's trying to like do right by all of his past sins. So he like turns that Senator's car into an RC car. Like that stuff's really funny. Like there are comedic elements to Bucky that got completely looked past, you know, until like civil war came around. Right. So I'm, I'm glad that they're fleshing that out and kind of like having him come to terms with his past. You know, as for Sam, like there's a lot of like deep socio-political themes with Sam, you know, and having the mantle of Captain America. And I really I like the way that it was done. A lot of media these days will take those like themes and ideas and they will just like shove them down your throat from the start to the finish. And this is like handled very well. Like it makes me want to go on this ride without feeling like I'm isolated from what's being talked about. So like I enjoyed that. And like I do want to see more. The whole idea of this show, I think, is like, what does it mean to be a symbol of America? Like, what does America represent in 2021? And I think that with like this new Captain. Well, actually, you're wrong on that one. It's 2023 there. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, in a lot of talk about the blip, like I enjoyed that stuff, too. But, you know, you have this new Captain America showing up and he is probably like everything that these like big senators and politics think America represents. But if you look at like the real world, what these senators, whether Democrat or Republican think represents America is, has nothing to do with what the normal people think America represents. So I, I'm excited to see like that theme explored, but also did the new captain America look weird? Like he didn't fit into his clothes. Well, I'm just going to say this, the memes that are out there, I think my daughter showed me one where it shows this is what you think you ordered with Captain America with Chris Evans, and this is what you got with Walker Russell, who is Kurt Russell's son. So it's fun. But and that also and the grandpa from Up. Uh, that I think they is close comparisons. I just wanted to let everybody know those are the it, common memes gra- that are out there. Yeah, grandpa from Up, and then the Six Flags guy. I don't know if yeah. you guys know oh, those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed my time so far in it. TJ Johnson and I spoke earlier about it, and he turned me around on Falcon's story. I like the dynamic of him and his sister, and the sister almost blaming him for being blipped. That part of it's okay. What I want to go ahead and say is I do love Bucky's story. 
that the fact that he is chasing ghosts, the fact that he is having the nightmares, the fact that he's trying to make amends for the, all the damage that he's done in his own way. But yet, while he can go and he can help capture a former Hydra agent, still trying to approach those he killed and their loved ones, that's still a hard deal for him. And that would be hard for anybody. And you see with him, the PTSD is still very much there. He still mm-hmm. sleeps on the floor of his apartment, if you caught that. I mean, yeah. that is just something. Like I said, those details for me were great. I know it didn't click with everybody. I mean, Hermes uh, made a comment that he felt like it was just pure filler. And some of this for Disney and Marvel is going to be filler. When you're dealing with the backstories of a lot of these supporting characters you didn't get to know in the movies. So I could see that for some people. That's definitely something that's understandable. And then also he mentioned that he thought it was a little underwhelming. And, uh, you know, I noticed there's been a couple of reviews out there that say just that. I know we think it's very positive, but before we head to the break and all the guests that we have that are coming on for those listening on radio and podcasts that want to talk about Falcon Winter Soldier and Zack Snyder's Justice League, Josh and Marcus, I want to have it close out with you. Your final thoughts on episode one and where you think it's going to go from here. Josh, I'm going to start with you. As someone who who likes the art of film, like my final thoughts on this are like, I love the way that it looks. You know, I love the way that it's made. I love how like it, it's already got this darker, more adult theme than like WandaVision did. Like even in the way that the the cinematography is done, like it's done the outside the, the scene where Falcon's flying around, like the colors are darker. The moods of the characters seem to be like more in line with like what they've done and what they're trying to become. So we, we didn't really get a lot of that with WandaVision. And, you know, WandaVision's totally different show. I completely understand that. And I am excited to see, like, where this goes. I'm excited to see, like, who's this new Captain America? Did he turn out to be a good guy or a bad guy? Obviously, this new villain, right, with the mask on who kicked that guy in the face. Like, he's got something coursing through his veins. Does the Flag cap- Smashers. It's a group called the Flag Smashers based off the Flag Smasher from the comics. Okay. okay, so we got them and we got this new Captain America. Does he also have that serum running through his veins? There's a lot going on. I hope that they don't like leave any side stories undeveloped like they did in WandaVision. So far, I'm excited about it and I'm looking forward to where it's going. What about you, Marcus? What are your thoughts? Dude, I, I really enjoyed the first episode. I'm at that point now where I think it's going to be hard to maintain the energy that we we created with WandaVision. We grabbed a whole bunch of new viewership with WandaVision, or I'm assuming we did. Everyone I've talked to is, has either not been on the Marvel train or been on the Marvel train entirely, but they all love the show. You know, I think it's going to be hard to maintain that energy and keep that coursing through Disney+. Plus. You know, this was a really good episode to start out on, but it left me wanting a ton if we would have done two or three episodes released out the gate for the first week and then done a episode a week after that, I think that would have been a lot better, but you know, making people wait another week for another 45 minute episode might not have been the best deal with this one. We are going to be waiting another week though. I'm excited for it. I think this is something I've been really wanting to see. It's going to be something that we're excited for still. Nonetheless, it is Falcon and winter soldier coming up each week. We'll be talking about it and going into detail on our Monday show, The Pop Culture Cosmos, going forward, whether it's Josh and I or whether it's any one of the number of guests coming up. Speaking of Zack Snyder's Justice League and also as well, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we're going to go ahead after the break and talk to a lot of people, including TJ Johnson, also so Ellen Glassford and Noe and Fine about their thoughts on either Zack Snyder's Justice League or Falcon and Winter Soldier. So for those listening on radio and podcasts, Want to go ahead and mention that they're coming up next right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are, then you got to check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. And that means right now you've got to go to Big Bad Toy Store for the two disc Blu-ray to check out all 10 episodes. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love action figure adventure. Wow, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Almost promo worthy there. But, you know, I already asked you for fresh new promos, but that's beside the point. I knew I was supposed to write something else. And we are back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Want to get some more thoughts on Falcon Winter Soldier and Zack Snyder's Justice League. Here today to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier is an awesome guest indeed. It is my daughter, who actually is 
the pop culture expert of the Glassford household. It is Ellen Glassford. And Ellen, you being the Marvel fan that you are, and you are a big Marvel fan, want to hear your thoughts after a great series in WandaVision. Want to hear your thoughts how Marvel has followed up with episode one of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I was so excited for the show. Out of all the Disney Plus shows they announced at Comic-Con 2019, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier was the one I was most excited for because Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie have such great chemistry together, and I was so excited to see how that would play out into a series. And this premiere episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier was really good. It totally makes sense where both of the characters are considering their backstories and what's going on in the MCU right now. And I'm very excited to see what happens next. Well, I want to hear your thoughts exactly on how the series will unfold in Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think Sam and Bucky are going to have to team up and sort of take on the Captain America legacy, but not just a mantle maybe, but also the enemies he made and the idea of Captain America. I think they're going to take on U.S. Agent or the new Captain America, John Walker. He is listed in the credits as U.S. Agent. I think Sam doesn't really agree with the fact that he gave up the shield so they could put it in a museum and now they've given it to John Walker. And I think we're going to see also the Flag Smashers come in And I think everything is going to tie back to just the idea of Captain America. And Sam and Bucky are going to have to fight for that. Baron Zemo is going to probably play a part in this as well. I want to hear your thoughts, Elowen, real quick on Baron Zemo and how he might play a role in how he's going to help manipulate everything that's going on, comparatively speaking to what he did in Captain America Civil War. I think he might team up with the Flag Smashers, actually, because Baron Zemo is not a fan of superheroes. You hear him saying in the trailers that he doesn't think the world needs superheroes, and I think him and the Flag Smashers, their whole thing, kind of almost go hand in hand. So I think he will team up with the Flag Smashers. Well, you know what? I'm excited for the rest of the series. It is six episodes long, but I am very excited to see what's upcoming next for Falcon and Winter Soldier. One last question to ask you, my dear, before we head on out, and that is this. What are you looking forward to most when it concerns Falcon and Winter Soldier? Obviously, Falcon had a tough decision, like you said, to make because he felt he still wasn't worthy of the Captain America persona and obviously the Captain America shield. He gave that up. But the U.S. government, in all of its infinite wisdom, decided to go ahead and commission the U.S. agent with the Captain America shield. So I want to hear your thoughts on what you're looking forward to most in future episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm excited to see the banter and camaraderie and stuff between Sam and Bucky. I think that's going to be really fun whenever we get to it. And I'm also excited to see... Sam with the shield because we know from the trailers he's gonna spend some time with it he gets it back somehow and also Bucky holds it a little bit so I'm excited to see them get the shield back as am I my dear as am I once again is Elwin Glassford the reigning supreme master of pop culture here in the Glassford household Ellen, I truly appreciate your insight, your opinion on what's going on, and looking forward to speaking to you more about Falcon and Winter Soldier in the upcoming episodes that they have, and everything going on in pop culture right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is TJ Johnson. Thank you so much, TJ, for stopping by today. I truly appreciate your time as always, my friend. Once again, some excellent analysis on Zack Snyder's Justice League. I really enjoyed finally seeing Victor Stone's story, who he is, how he kind of came to be the way he is. And here comes my frustration, right? My frustration is that obviously we know what happened with Zack Snyder's family. 
You know, we understand what happened. He wasn't able to finish the original version of Justice League that the theatrical release of Justice League uh, due to family mm -hmm. tragedy, which nobody ever wants to go through. They bring in Josh Whedon, and I don't know if Josh Whedon made these decisions on his own on what to cut and what to reshoot. I don't know whose call it was, if it was Warner Brothers' call or his call, but the fact that so many scenes of varying levels of importance were omitted from the theatrical release is disturbing. But even more disturbing than that is the fact that the vast, vast majority are involving minorities or women. I was going to say, you mentioned that on your social media yesterday. I did. I did. I thought that was a very, very telling thing, especially considering what Josh Whedon's going through right now. Yeah. And the different allegations right now in regards to him and his conduct on set and other shows that have been dealing with Josh Whedon. I, I think it might be a little telling. And it's kind of why I don't necessarily blame Warner Brothers for this, because I kind of think this was Josh Whedon's, it's sounding like it's his M.O., Obviously, I don't know the guy personally. I can't say that I've spoken with him. However, his body of work and, and, and the things that are coming to light make it seem like this is a pretty standard thing for him. However, wow. there's something to be said that if if this is the case, you know, Warner Brothers shouldn't be let off the hook for allowing that to happen. Warner Brothers ultimately has the final say so over what happens, over what gets put into the movie, what gets taken out of the movie. You have to think that Warner Brothers knew and I think this is one of the things that Ray Fisher is so adamant about. You guys knew what was going on set. You guys knew the way that this stuff was being handled. You guys knew the amount of work that was being cut. And they essentially neutered the entire character of Cyborg. They took his yeah. entire character away, which is just mind boggling because he was so vitally important. His yeah. character was so vitally important to this film that to take him away, it just really kind of seemed weird. Obviously, Martian Manhunter is, is typically portrayed by a African-American male. And you obviously have Idris West. Uh, you have just so many. There were so many things that were cut. But yeah, if I can have your quick thoughts, and then we'll head on to uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Because yeah, oh. I mean, it, it's is it better? Is it better in your eyes than the Joss Whedon cut? Oh, absolutely. I think it's absolutely better than a Joss Whedon cut. Again, for obviously for the things that we had aforementioned, obviously the, the cuts and continuity wise it makes more sense when you look at it in the whole scope of Zack snyder's body of work right you look at man of steel and you look at batman v superman and then you look at Zack snyder's justice league and then if you even want to go further you hear about what he planned to do for justice league 2 and justice league 3 about how you know this entire vision was going to play out and you know with superman had being dead he bruce wayne was supposed to develop an interest in lois lane and that's supposed to be something that happened there almost like uh, a true love and uh, they were supposed to have kid and uh, uh, it was supposed to get it was supposed to get interesting it was supposed to get really yeah. interesting and i'm kind of curious as to how that really would have turned out if i'm if i'm being all the way honest with you but yeah. yes i absolutely enjoy Zack snyder's version i think it's something to be said when the director has an opportunity to truly tell their story and yeah. obviously even if Zack snyder would have got a theatrical release we don't know exactly how much of his story would have made it to the theatrical release because of the time restraints and what Warner Brothers obviously wants to see in their final product. So to be able to see Zack Snyder's version and for the consumer to have pined for it for so long and for us to be vindicated when we see it and we see that it's better than what came out in the theaters, it's a great feeling. So even if this movie was mediocre, and let, let, let's be clear on this, even if this movie was mediocre, the fact that it was better than the theatrical cut elevates it that much higher i was gonna say i'm probably about a 7.5 i i did enjoy it i just think there was a lot of bloat in there obviously it's four hours long you can't help but have some bloat in there yeah but overall big thumbs up for you oh yeah absolutely absolutely and it, it's definitely a different style of a show than wandavision so yeah uh you, you're gonna find a lot of people that are really really happy with this kind of return to form of the marvel cinematic universe if you will I am one of those, and I'm hopeful to see more of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, I can't get enough of those guys as far as on screen. I think they're <laughs> going to really click. I um, can't wait until we get into the lethal weapon-ish type banter back right. and forth between that. Yeah. And again, I'm looking forward to those seeing those two on screen at Falcon and the Winter Soldier in upcoming episodes. But again, it is TJ Johnson, my good friend. 
Appreciate all your insight, as always, right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Daryl Glass. We're coming right back at you here. The man behind Queen. You got to go ahead and check out his awesome page today, Queen, and also the Hunnic Outcast. It is knowing and fine. Noah, share me your thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League. As I was starting to watch it, my grade was rising from an F to a D minus to a C and finally a B minus. I don't know if three times a charm or if Zack Snyder is just a huge fanboy. And somehow he took what was a very ambitious project. And again, there was no way you were going to be able to compete with the MCU, but he decided to take his laptop and go home after he lost his daughter due to depression, kept what alternative scenes should have been in the movies, well, some extended scenes, shot one brand new scene with the nightmare that we've all wanted to see. And I have to tell you, this was something that people wanted for years. And after four years, we got it. Now, I don't know if it's because of HBO Max that we got it, but we did. And I am extremely happy with the end result. There are some cons, minor ones. The whole slow motion that Zack Snyder seems to gaggle about for reasons I don't understand why. We get a huge backstory regarding Cyborg. And I got to tell you, Ray Fisher... I didn't like his acting in the theatrical cut. This is his movie. For better or for worse, it's really more of a cyborg movie. And the Justice League just kind of like wean themselves in towards the end. Gal Gadot, I still don't appreciate her acting. But we don't have to worry about listening to how much she misses Steve Treffer anymore. We don't have... Ezra Miller as Flash being the smart aleck as he was in the theatrical cut. Although we could have gotten Wally West. I don't know why we have Barry Allen. But we do have what I feel is a tighter version of this character. And yeah, we did bring in Iris West. And I do appreciate what they did with Steppenwolf this time. Now it makes more sense that he was a traitor to Darkseid and the Planet Apocalypse. That he's trying to invade Earth to redeem Strader's axe. Now, it's not a great backstory. And this is something they almost could have done in a Transformers movie with Starscream and Megatron. But somehow, the design of Stephen Wolf, it's a little more intimidating. It, it's not so much Thanos 2.0, even with Darkseid. We barely get Darkseid. But for all its faults... I have to say that I would have appreciated two more sequels. Now, the fans are going to say they want more. Zack Snyder, if I understand this, is done. And pretty much once with Warner Brothers, you wash your hands, that's it. But I do feel that we might get something out of this now. And who knows? The way that we're getting the Marvel streaming service on Disney+, Plus we can get something with DCU because the biggest con I feel as well is Batfleck. I just feel that Ben Affleck is both bored and tired when he was in the theatrical version and when he's in this version as well. I don't really feel Batman out of this one. I'm sorry, but I, I know people think that he's one of the best Batmans we've gotten. I'm still not seeing it in any version. I understand that again, with, with the reshoots and everything back then, and that whole nightmare scene now, although Jared Leto has redeemed himself as Joker, I appreciate that. If you don't have an HBO Max subscription, it's worth getting. If they do put this on digital download for Prime or Blu-ray still exists, it's definitely going to be worth your uh, 15 to $25, depending on how much Blu-rays are nowadays. Definitely worth your time and money. Well, B minus is probably a best way to say it. I think it, for me, it was a seven out of 10, which is right in that C, B minus range. Again, it's an improvement. Uh, it's an improvement over the theatrical cut. 
Two things I would have liked seen of it. Again, I, I would have loved to mention of the Hall of Villains because I think that's a better storyline than Dark Side. I think a Hall of Villains versus Justice League is a much better movie. But unfortunately, that line was deleted out of this version of Zack Snyder's cut. And then the relationship between Batman and Wonder Woman was severely cut in this version. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more romantic storyline because that was one of the few redeeming things that I enjoyed, if you can say enjoying it when you're watching a movie that you grade five out of ten to. So I would have liked to have seen that evolve a little bit more in the Zack Snyder cut. But other than that, like I said, it's substantially better in many ways. And of course... I think Cyborg, Ray Fisher, his performance really made the movie for me. And that's what made it at least a, a pretty good movie. And again, I, I agree with Noah that you might want to take this in in episode chunks. I mean, if you really just think you're intimidated by the four hours, go ahead and just watch it in chunks. It's okay. It's almost like episodic television in the, in the way it's structured. And again, with the whole Jared Leto, his performance is a lot better I don't want him to do another Heath Ledger, and I don't want him to do another Jack. I want him to do his own thing. My bottom line is this, is that anyone could be Joker. It's depending on the writer, the script, and the actor. I'm not saying he's the greatest or the best. I still see him as a poser, that foul Joker, which is something I don't think we've really seen too much in this or any film universe. We've always seen this character has always been the Joker since day one. If they don't worry about building up to huge storylines and crossovers and they do single stories, this could kind of work. But again, it, it, time will only tell what Warner Brothers is really going to do now that the Snyder Cut was not a miss. It was a hit and people were raving about it. So I'm kind of seeing what the repercussions are going to be now. If they want Zack Snyder to come back one more time, if they want Affleck to come back one more time, what's going to happen? Time will tell. I doubt nothing. But in all honesty, if this is Snyder's swan song, got to be honest with you, he left with a very positive note. And I think he left with not the finger, which I thought he was going to do. And from what I'm hearing and reading, you know – Good game, Zack Snyder. You know, you're not the greatest director or writer, but you have a better attitude towards the business than I thought you did. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And again, I do know that the proceeds for this film are going for suicide prevention and people who are depressed. Again, because this, this movie was dedicated towards his daughter, and rightfully so. So I, I want to thank you so much, Zack Snyder. I know you've been through a lot, but... Good game. It is knowing and fine. His thoughts right there on Justice League. If you have any, please let us know. PopCultureCosmosYahoo.com. Thank you so much, Noah. Please check out everything that he's doing at Hunnic Ween and Hunnic Outcasts on Facebook. Noah, it's so great to have you part of the show. I know you'll be contributing much more to us, and we're looking forward to it right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Want to thank so much TJ Johnson, Noe Ian Fine, and also as well, Elwin Glassford stopping by on the program. Check out their thoughts continuously on Falcon and Winter Soldier coming up in the coming weeks. But before we head on out, guys, want to go ahead and thank so much again, PodVCon, Spring Break 2021. You're checking us out right now. We truly appreciate everyone out there that's watching and listening to us there. But guys, before we head on out, want to go ahead and talk real quickly about PlayStation buying Evo. So Josh, I want to hear your thoughts on what you think this will do for the fighting scene. I mean, they're based here out of Las Vegas, so I'm kind of familiar with them, have been dealing with them for years off and on. So I know this to be the premier fighting game tournament that happens every year as far as for several different fighting games. This is big within the esports industry. What do you think that PlayStation's ownership now of Evo will do for esports? I feel like you're setting me up with this one because you know that I'm not a big PlayStation fanboy. 
Kind of, yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so blanket statement here, until Sony makes their products, like their PlayStation 5, more readily available, like I don't like anything that they're doing, specifically in the vein of like Evo, there's a lot of people who like fighting games on a variety of different platforms. What does this mean for current contracts? Right, because I know Nintendo's involved in the Evo scene. I'm not sure how involved Microsoft is. They were using Killer Instinct was a major part of it. Then Super Smash Brothers was also a major part of Evo. So obviously that's in question right now. Right, right. And then what does this mean for people making fighting games? Does this mean that they're going to have to make them exclusively on the PlayStation platform? Or is, is something new going to pop up in the wake of Sony purchasing Evo? Like, I don't understand why they did it. What do you guys think the motive there was? Because I don't imagine there being a big profit in something like this, especially with all these rising esports associations. I was just going to say, this is market diversity here. I mean, this is Sony just saying, hey, we need to get our foot in the marketplace here. We need to you know, have a, a way to hold some sort of championship moving forward. And they could have created something out of thin air. But why do that when you can buy something that's established like Evo? Yeah, you do have the conflicts with other manufacturers now, console manufacturers, specifically Nintendo and Super Smash Brothers. But I'm okay with this. I, I think this is a great move out of Sony specifically, just because this sets you up to be successful in the long run. We know esports moving forward is going to be a huge deal. So why not set the stage and grab one of the largest tournaments out the game? Do you remember like back in the day, and Gerald, you can probably attest this because you know you have more history with this, but like the Sega championships and the Nintendo championships, remember they all had like their own thing. So like Evo is something that like brought all kinds of communities of gamers together, whether you're on the Xbox, the Nintendo, the PlayStation, and now like you're isolating a lot of gamers. Why not just have a Sony World Cup or something like that? It's just so funny that you mentioned that because Marcus is a PlayStation fanboy. Josh is a Xbox fanboy. I'm usually no, here in the middle. trying to, guys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm, I'm usually here in the middle as far as trying to deviate between the two. And then Josh always throws out the fact that I'm extremely old and he calls me a Pong fanboy or something. Whoa. But me and Marcus have to have some common ground here. So Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But right now it's just a statement by Sony telling everybody out there we're going to take command of the fighting game scene and nintendo and xbox are just going to have to find different outlets for trying to promote their products and obviously for nintendo that's not going to be so hard because super smash brothers is already well known and nintendo fans eat it up the thing is with xbox publishers are now going to be favoring playstation for everything as far as fighting games are concerned and, you know, Xbox is, while they're staking their claim with the Bethesda purchase and for RPG owners going forward, PlayStation might be the place to go for fighting games. So people will have to decide if they prefer a better platform for fighting games, they will go for PlayStation. If they prefer a better platform for RPGs, that could quite possibly be Xbox in the future. But again, we want to hear your thoughts on PlayStation buying the EVO World Championships for fighting games and esports. Is this going to go ahead and change esports for good in the fighting game industry? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Again, we truly appreciate the great people at PodVCon. Thank you so much. PodVCon 2021 spring break. Want to thank you so much for being a part of it. Woo, 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 woo. But guys, I want to go ahead before we head on out and talk about Square Enix. Josh, I know you are a big Square Enix fan. I know you are as well, Marcus. They had their own Square Enix Presents because every publisher now has to have something like that, a showcase per se. God forbid they would want to do it at E3. But I want to hear your thoughts first, Josh, on Square Enix Presents and some of the things that they presented from there. Kind of disappointed. It wasn't more news on Final Fantasy 16 because that looks really cool. There's a list here. I'm just going to talk about it for a quick second. Life is Strange. The, the new one looks pretty cool. True Colors. The thing I love about this game is that like they're not afraid to tell like stories that are really outside the box. And granted, I didn't play the last one about the two brothers. I did play what was it, Captain Spirit or whatever that was free yeah. on Xbox. That one was pretty good. But, you know, I, I love the, the storytelling that goes into those games. Project Athia has been named Forspoken, so I'm really looking forward to that. It's a beautiful looking game. That was something they showed at the PlayStation conference during the summer, right? That was when it kind of premiered. So I, that game looks absolutely breathtaking. So I, I can't wait to see more about that. Not really a big Outriders fan. I know Brian on the Super BS Games cast is really excited about this one, as well as like Balin Wonderworld, which kind of looks like Skylanders a little bit. Yeah. 
Avengers, I honestly like, I don't know if having a Black Panther, I mean, and I'm sure like, you know, Marcus and Gerald, you guys will speak more on this, but I don't know if having a Black Panther and Hawkeye DLC is really going to save what's happened to that game and just <laughs> what like the, the rocky start that that had. Like, and from what I understand, like their gamer base is still dropping significantly every yes. month. So yeah. I just, I don't know if it's enough. Finally, Tomb Raider. I don't know about you guys, but I was really hoping for the announcement of a new Tomb Raider game, you know, especially with talking about how the new movie's coming out and there's something in the works that's going to be like bridging the old Tomb Raider with the new one, whether that's some kind of like multiverse aspect or whatever, because that sounded cool. I am excited to dive back into these games, the Definitive Survivor trilogy. My hope is that as someone who uh, loves finding achievements and trophies, I'm hopeful that they will have like a, a fresh set of trophies and achievements. There's a point in playing these three games again. Otherwise, they're fun and I would love to go back to them, but it'll probably just sit like on my back catalog. Anyways, those are my thoughts. Marcus, you had some thoughts on Square Enix Presents? Yeah, and I'll work backwards on basically the same list that Josh had. You know, looking at Tomb Raider, I'm with you, man. This feels like a whole bunch of uh, pandemic marketing at its finest. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's let's rehash something, throw it at, at the folks, and try and get them excited for the things to come. Marvel's Avengers, the Black Panther and Hawkeye DLC. There's nothing you can do at this point to save that video game. Let's just call it what it is. Let's, let's go ahead and put that one to bed. I think I was very hopeful when this game first came out. I remember talking about how the multiplayer aspect looked a little Destiny 1-ish. And that was something I was really excited about. Looking back at the release and everything that happened after the release, we came to find out that this was not a polished game. And it, it was in that vein of unpolished games that were all released around that time frame there. And then Balin, Wonderworld, and Outriders, I actually don't know a ton about. I'm looking forward to learning more. Both of those titles aren't something that I, I was really, I guess, tuned into. But after watching Square Enix Presents, I was, I was on board. But the Project Athia Forspoken game, you hit it on the head. They announced it at the PlayStation 2020 event. And the views, the like just the, the raw cinematography that you see in the trailer is outstanding. So as long as we can keep that whole texture, lighting, everything going on with that, I'm, I'm on board, man. And Life is Strange, True Colors, I have nothing to say about that franchise other than this has done a lot better than I thought it would, and I think it's going to keep doing okay as long as True Colors can capture that same audience that they've already had. Well, there you go. Those are some great thoughts from Josh and Marcus on Square Enix Presents. Overall, I thought it was all right, but nothing that's going to revolutionize the industry per se. And after all the different presents that we've seen already from Xbox, Nintendo, Pokemon, we saw PlayStation, they've all showcased their stuff. I mean, Square Enix has another one in yeah. June, May or June, they were saying. Yeah, right around the time E3 would happen. So I'm hoping uh, that we will go ahead and see more. But again, we want to hear your thoughts out there on Square Enix Presents. Was it everything that you would have liked it to have been? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, guys, it's been a fantastic episode. We were a part of Pod VCon Spring Break 2021. Woohoo! But, uh, but before we head on out, guys, I really want to go ahead and thank you guys, Josh Peterson and Marcus De La Garza, for being a part of today's show. Check out Marcus each and every Friday on the PC Multiverse. And, of course, Josh and I invading your homes or your earpieces right there on the Pop Culture Cosmos each and every Monday. So, guys, it's been an awesome episode. But I'll start with you, Marcus. Any last thoughts on the way out? Thank you to PodVCon for a great opportunity for another crossover episode. I know this is something that the three of us love to do. So, uh, you know, Monday or Friday comes together. We had a, a great time talking about Justice League and Falcon and Winter Soldier. So I look forward to the next time we get a chance to do this. And Josh, I think the floor is yours. I love how most of our discussion today revolved around ensemble things. So like we each had our own podcast that like told our origin stories. And then we bring it all together for like this Justice League Avengers podcasting so podvcon thank you thank you to all the listeners out there gerald is actually going to put some credits in this one that say uh we will return for podvcon 2 just look for that okay <laughs> okay that's extremely hard i don't know how you can do that for a radio portion of our audience but maybe if i've got some crayon and a piece of paper maybe i can do just that so for marcus de la garza and josh peterson this is Gerald Glassford. 
It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.